The final week of the MLS season did not disappoint as the playoff matchups are now set. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly with me. Ivis Galarsep, and I got to say, man, for a final day of MLS regular season action, it was an awesome, awesome weekend. Absolutely, man. It was crazy. It was uh, really action-packed, and there was definitely drama right down to the end. Uh, It went pretty much as as well as anyone could have hoped in terms of uh, just drama. Uh, Obviously, when they set the schedule up the way they did, they were hoping that there'd be some of that, and and that's what we got, whether you you had the playoff matchups, that were decided, the the, uh, the playoff participants that were decided, the supporters' shield. I mean, we were down to the last minute uh, of, of the Red Bulls game before we knew if they were definitely going to be the champion, supporters' shield winners. And uh, it, it was great, man. It was, it was, for me, the most fun final day of a regular mm-hmm. season in the history of the league. Definitely was. I mean, even the other games. I mean, you had uh, Columbus putting a beat down D.C. United. Portland, I know it was over Colorado with four goals. I mean, look. We'll talk about all that. Uh, plenty to talk about on today's So especially. I mean, we'll recap the MLS final week season. We'll talk about U.S. men's national team, Americans abroad, some other international news. But, uh, Ivis, I mean, you just mentioned there the Red Bulls, Sporters Shield, second time in three years for them. And one, what a victory for them over Chicago. And number two, I mean, what a season for New York. I mean, the way it started off with, with Mike Pepke going out, Jesse Marsh coming in, for New York to finish the Supporters' Shield, I mean, just a remarkable season for them. No, it was uh, incredible, incredible. Um, you have to give them a lot of credit. Jesse Marsh and Ali Curtis, they took a lot of criticism mm-hmm. when they first when they first took their jobs. And everyone really blamed them for Mike Pepke being fired. And when, you know, they were, it wasn't their fault. They were the guys who were brought in. To do a to do a job to to replace Pecky and to help the team through a transition period, and they did it. They've done an amazing job, and it, it culminated in winning the Supporters Shield. And I know, say what you want about the Supporters Shield and the fact that it's you can't really use it as a measure of what the best team in the league is. But at the end of the day, you know they they still had a great season. They had a great season, no matter how you measure it. Uh, not who who would have had them finishing first in the east not many not many people uh and it's just it's a testament to the job uh, jesse marsh did as a coach and a testament to the job ali curtis did as a gm Mm -hmm. putting that rock putting that roster together and the players give them credit they they bought in to the philosophy uh jesse marsh's philosophy and it's been been impressive and and now they're kind of halfway now they won that first trophy but now they still have to win the trophy that the club has never won and that's the mls cup oh well, we got to talk about the game. New York on the road. They defeated Chicago 2-1. to one. And Ivis, look, it's it's a victory. It's also a supporter's shield. I mean, New York, with the way they're playing, Bradley Wright Phillips, 17 goals on the season. I mean, New York has a lot of confidence, Ivis, as they're going to be heading into the playoffs. No doubt about it. Uh, I, this was a tough game. This was anyone who's followed the Red Bulls for years knows how tough it is for them to play at a in Chicago, in Bridgeview, they hadn't won there before. Uh, Toyota Park has been kind of a house of horrors for them. Um, and uh, they, they exercised yet another demon. Uh, we we talk about how uh, uh, the year they won the Supporters' Shield the first time, they exercised so many demons that year. But this time around, they did it again. They exercised the demon. They finally won in Chicago, and they won a really big match. Uh, and once again, Bradley Wright Phillips comes through, Sasha Kleston, Luis Robles, Dax McCarty, they're ba- they've had contributions up and down the f- roster, but their superstars or their stars that who really stepped up all year stepped up once again on Sunday, and and it's impressive to see, and they do have some momentum uh, going in. You always wonder about that, about momentum, like how much is that really going to factor in? How much is 
uh, you know, if you go in with a nice run, is that really going to help you or not help you? And I, I think for them, I think it's 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 a confidence booster for them to win that shield. And I know some of them are already saying, oh, you know, they won the league. They look <laughs> the supporter shield is not the league. And I do find it interesting. It's it's not surprising because there's you got a couple of guys on that team who spent more most of their careers in Europe up until this point. So they probably think, oh, you know, supporter shield really is the league, but it really is not. I'm not going to sit here and try to take credit away from them for winning the Shield. I think it's great that they won it. But the title is MLS Cup. That's the one that matters more than anything. And that's the one they need to win at this point to to really just put a cap on this season. I think even if they don't win it, it's still a good season. But what's going to make it a special season is if they're able to win that MLS Cup. And for New York, I mean, look, winning the Supporters' Shield means that you get home field advantage. So, I have a, should I book my flight to New York? Is is it all done that New York's going to go to the Cup here? I don't know about that. I won't go that far. I think I think they're, they're a good team. I think they're playing well. They've played well all season. But the playoffs are a different animal. They're different. Uh, it's just a whole other game. It's another ball game. And, and I think as a team, they can they get to the final? Absolutely. But are they kind of a runaway pick because they won the support shield? No, not by not by any means. I think it's I honestly feel like this this MLS Cup race, this playoff, the playoffs that are about to begin on Wednesday are going to be the most wide open playoffs we've had that, that I can remember, because I just don't feel like there's a clear cut MLS Cup favorite now because the teams that we thought were going to be the favorites have kind of had rough years. Right. The LA Galaxy have really limped their way to the fine to, to the stretch you know to the to the final week the seattle sounders have been up and down those were the two teams that i think most people saw as, as coming into the year as the favorites and could they still flip a switch possibly but it's tough right now they just haven't shown much so that's why a team like the red bulls is, is a possibility but there's other teams in the east one man we saw it on sunday columbus crew looked incredible Ooh. the montreal impactor you know didier drogba who can stop him right now so it, 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 it's this. These playoffs are going to be fun to watch. Red Bulls ha- have a great chance, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily book a flight yet to New York for December six. Well, the team New York did beat out for that supporter shield was FC Dallas, who has been outstanding the last couple of weeks in their game. I just look. They're, they're playing San Jose, and San Jose has a lot on the line. I mean, look, Chicago at home has worse for New York, but look, San Jose chance to make the playoffs if you can go in. Upset Dallas, some things help you out. But, I mean, look, this wasn't the easiest game. I mean, Dallas went down. They're able to come back. And, I mean, Ivis, Dallas heading into the playoffs, this was sort over San Jose. Some things did work out for them in this game. But, I mean, look, this is another team that's going to be going into the playoffs with a tremendous amount of confidence. Yeah, you know, as far as uh, FC Dallas goes, I mean, I do think, yes, they're going to come in with some confidence. Uh, I still think they're a young team, and I'm curious to see – how how things are going to go for them once you get to the playoffs. Now, I know they, they did gain some experience last year in the playoffs, and that should help them. But I don't know if I'm sold on them yet. I know they're the top seed. I know they've done what they did well to get results throughout the year. But, uh, you know, just I just don't know if they have that experience for the playoffs to make a run all the way to the final and, and win, win the final. I just I don't know if they're there yet. I think. For me, and I feel like I said it last year or maybe in the beginning of this year in the preseason preview, at some point I said, look, I think 2016 will be the year for them. Um, and obviously they, they, they exceeded all expectations. Mm-hmm. I just don't know about them making a run. But look, they finished the season excellently. Uh, having more Diaz back is great. Michael Barrios has been big for them. Um, so they, they're going to be a handful. They're going to be a handful no matter who they play. As far as San Jose goes, it was a disappointing one for them. I mean, they start off well. Quincy Marquez scores that goal. 
Um, but then they kind of fell apart, you know. It, for me, Matias Perez Garcia. I mean, come on, man! Like a red card. Yeah, that was uh, totally deserved. Right? You can't slap an opponent in the back of the head. He tried to get away with it. He was mad. He had a rush of blood. He lost a little bit, and he got caught, and then fully deserved. I mean, here's a guy who who only a few weeks ago got a second yellow for taking his jersey off after he scored a goal. So this is a guy who who's lost control a bit. He's, he's a good player, very skilled player, but you got to be smarter than that. They needed you on the field, and once they lost him, that really really crushed their chances to to you know maybe get into the playoffs. I will say this though, and I've said it for a few times now, Dom Kinnear deserves a lot of credit because he took over a team that was atrocious, and he really helped move them closer to the pack in the Western Conference. I mean, he had him there right to the end. I think he did a great job. It just it's just once again shows why he's such a special coach. Now I want to see what he does this offseason with the kind of pieces that they add to that team because uh, if they if they add the right pieces, man, San Jose, they're going to be a handful and they have the new stadium now. Mm-hmm. They have that they have that just atmosphere there that they didn't have at Buckshaw. So we'll see, man. I think it, I think it's uh the future's bright for San Jose. Even though they lost this game, I think the future is pretty bright for them. Well, what about the job that Oscar Pereja has done? I mean, I feel like we talked about him a little bit more last year, especially as a coach of the year candidate. But I guess you could say this year, definitely coach of the year candidate. I think you could say that Dallas was a playoff team. But, I mean, look, Oscar Pereja has done a fantastic job. For them to finish first in the West in just the second season, I mean, come on, Ivis, you could definitely put him in that consideration. No, it's not. There's no doubt about it. It's not even a question. There are two names to mention when you talk about Coach of the Year, there's Jesse Marsh and there's Oscar Pereira. We'll get into that. We'll, we can get, we'll, we'll get into our picks for the awards in another show. Uh, but I will say Pereira definitely is in the conversation. He's one. It's a, there's only two names. I mean, there's a lot of coaches that have done good jobs this year, but there's two that are just head and shoulders above the rest. There's Jesse Marsh and there's Oscar Pereira. Now, I know FC Dallas fans, uh, you know, they, they have every right to be happy ecstatic they finished first in the west the western conference is tougher than eastern conference i get all that um but you know there's going to be a lot of downplaying of the supporter shield now a lot of people are upset because you know the supporter Shield's not really a fair measure of who the winner is because they don't play the same schedule right if you're if you're in the eastern conference you play teams in the west one time and you only put so you you know half half the time you're playing you don't play teams uh on the road that are in the opposite conference so you think about the Eastern Conference, the Red Bulls. They got to play NYCFC three times. They got to play Orlando City three times. That's six games against expansion teams where FC Dallas only had two games against expansion teams. So from that standpoint, this is why we say you can't call a supporter shield the champion of the league. You can't. As much as people want to try to like compare it to the other parts of the world, it's not the same. Because in other parts of the world, everybody plays the same schedule. Everybody plays home and away against everybody else. It's balanced. It's even. That's not the case in MLS. But having said that, FC Dallas, Oscar Pereja, he deserves a ton of credit to finish in first place in a Eastern Conference, in a Western Conference with the with the youngest group or one of the absolute mm-hmm. youngest groups there. He played a bunch of young kids. He gave a lot of young kids playing time this year, and and they came through for him. And I, I mean, the consistency they showed blew me away, which is why for me, I mean, Pereja, it's a no brainer. It's two coaches, and Pereja is definitely one of them. And over in the Eastern Conference, Columbus Crew laid a beatdown on DC United, defeating them five to zero. Um, look, the Crew Ivis, great result for them. Ethan Finley brace. I mean, come on, what's new? He scores every single week. It seems like at this point, DC United. It's one thing to lose the final game of the season, but to lose five to zero and be completely embarrassed like that. 
man, dude, crew flexing the muscle this weekend, Ivis. Yeah, it was a, that was ugly, man. I was waiting for somebody to throw in a towel on on that one. And and look, I, I know, I know, folks in DC were trying to downplay the importance of the game and whether or not it made a that much of a difference. Whether or not you go in as a wild card, it, it, go in in the first round, or if you get the bye. Uh, you know, they, they, there's there's arguments for both sides when you just look at results of the past. But I'm sorry, losing the way they lost, yep. that's got to take its toll because it was embarrassing. And look at a player like Taylor Kemp. I mean, the kid had a nightmare, absolute nightmare. He was tortured up and down the field, beaten left and right. He should have been. He he, he at one point he got a second. He could have gotten a second yellow. And I feel like the referee had seen him get abused all day, so he kind of was like, you know what, man. I'm going to take it easy on you because you've already had it rough enough. And then, like, two minutes later, Ben Olsen subbed him out. So uh, credit to Ben Olsen for, for showing some uh, some compassion there and some mercy on Taylor Kemp. But, no, man, D.C., I've been saying it for a while now that I'm not sold on them. Even when they won these couple of games recently now against some bad teams, I thought that was a bit of fool's gold. I'm just not sold on them. They just don't have – they are not – they are missing uh, uh, the kind of X factor you need to win – to, to win in the playoffs and to win consistently. And I, I know they did okay. They won. A, they got a grinded out a lot of results early in the year. I know they're, they're a veteran team. They'll get those kind of grinded out games here and there. But when you get to the playoffs, you need some special players. And I don't know if they have those special attacking players. Now they play New England and we're going to, you know, we'll preview, we'll preview that series in the next show. But I mean, look at, I mean, New England has those kind of difference makers. Lee Wynn, Charlie Davies, uh, Kellen Rowe. I mean, they have guys who can really make an impact. And and I, I, for me, you look at D.C., man, and they're, they're they're right now, when you look at all six teams in the East, and D.C. for me is the least, even though they're the four seed, they're the least intimidating of the six teams in the East. Well, when you look at D.C. And, and where they start at the beginning of the season, they did beat a handful of teams that made the playoffs. But I guess when you look at D.C. after June, only two wins over playoff teams. And you're right. I mean, a lot of the teams they beat are teams like Real Salt Lake, New York City FC, Chicago multiple times, Philadelphia. I mean, that's not quality wins. But when you look at Columbus, Ivis, this win places them second now heading into the playoffs. Um, what does this do for Columbus, this victory? Well, I mean, I tell you what, I just I feel like they're a team that, that that's been a bit overlooked for most of the year, right? I mean, I think, you know, obviously uh, in the early part of the year, let's not forget, Will Trapp was out. He was a big piece of the puzzle there, uh, a big factor for them. Once he got back and once he was back in the lineup on a regular basis, I feel like you saw a, a different team. I feel like you saw a team that looked a lot more like a title contender and down the stretch, I think they really they really put it together and started to show us that team that we saw last year. Let's not forget, last year – regular season they were excellent and then they hit the playoffs and they were a little they were a little naive they were a little immature and I think they got taught a lesson by New England and I think it was, that was a lesson that they needed to, to learn obviously as a young team but now here they are they've they, they, they've they're a team that, that I feel like they've really put it together I know they had a couple of losses late in the year uh they lost to Portland they lost to the Red Bulls but for me I like what I see out of them you know I, I think their their defense is pretty solid they their fullbacks attack we know about Kai Kamara. Ethan Finley been, has been the best winger in the league this year. You have mm-hmm. Iguain. You have Trap Chani. I mean, they have they have not only do they have an excellent starting lineup, they have depth now. And I just think Greg Halter, Greg Burhalter is has has them uh, playing well. And I just when you look at the, I, I think the Red even the Red Bulls finished ahead of them by, by you know was it five points or six points? 
I think I think those two teams are, are kind of for me co favorites in the East. I think I, when they face if they meet in the in the Eastern Conference Final, I mean that's a to- I think it's a coin toss, man. Just because I think the Columbus Crew, uh, I don't know, man. I, I like I like what I see out of them. I like the versatility. I like the dynamism, uh, and I think the experience that they got last year in the playoffs is going to help them this year. When you talk about teams playing well, Montreal Impact defeated Toronto FC two to one. Sets up a great rematch in the knockout round of the playoffs on Thursday. Um, but Montreal, Drogba, I mean, you could almost make a case for him being MVP, Ivis. 11 goals, 11 games, scores a brace in this game. And you talked about this. Montreal victory over Toronto. I mean, this is huge here, Ivis. No, that, it, it, I got to tell you, man. When you, when you, the way the first half went in that game, it looked like Toronto FC was going to run away with that one. I thought, I thought yep. Javinko, Javinko was looking lively. He had a lot of chances. Evan Bush had to make some big saves. Uh, uh, Toronto FC's defense was doing really well to deal with Drogba. Um, and then the second half, it just Drogba turns it on. Montreal turns it on. And and they just kind of overwhelmed TFC. I was kind of surprised how TFC fell apart, to be honest with you. I thought they'd, they'd hold up a little better. Uh, but credit to Drogba, like you said, man. The guy, since he's been since he's arrived, he's been the best player in the league since he has arrived. Oh, yeah. Now, he... Now, the whole MVP thing, you can always say, oh, well, look, he only played 11 games, 12 games. Javinko played the whole season. Javinko has just had one of the best seasons in the history. <laughs> Arguably the best season in the history of the league. He led the league in goals, tied. He led the league in assists. He, I mean, both. Who, who leads in both? He led them and he led both, right? And we're not just talking, like, penalties and tap-ins. The guy, I mean, the guy has scored some ridiculous goals. He's had some ridiculous assists. Amazing year. You, you, he carried Toronto into the playoffs. You could say yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know about K. I mean, yes. You could, I mean, you can say you. Drogba also carried Montreal. Yes, yes, playoffs, yes. So. Drogba did. Yes, even more so because I feel like you know what TFC. You know, they, whether it's Altidore or Bradley, you know, they, they, or you know, Osorio, like they've had other guys step up and help out. But, but Drogba has been absolutely huge for, for Montreal, and uh, credit to Marbiello, the job he did uh, stepping in uh, for Frank. Uh, Frank. Klopas uh, coming in for him, and not only did he get him into the playoffs, uh, but to get him in as a three seed. I mean, I, I thought that. I mean, pretty impressive right there. I got to say, uh, especially the way their defense has come together, uh, and now things are lining up perfectly for them. Think about it. They play TFC at home. Mm-hmm. Now you got to think they're the favorites there. If they beat TFC at home, all of a sudden they're playing a two leg against the Crew, and that is going to be talk about fireworks in that one, man. I mean, I'm not 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 to write off TFC just yet, but uh, whoever the crew play is, gonna, I think that's going to be a fun series. Well, Toronto, they enter the playoffs coming up back to back losses. Columbus, Montreal. I mean, look, I, I was saying this on the last show. I was baby steps for Toronto. They're in the playoffs. I guess yeah, that that's pretty good, right? I don't know about baby steps, man. When you're spending $20 million, there's no baby steps. You need to win now, man. You need to win as soon as you possibly can. And, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I was I, Their defense continues to be a serious issue. I don't know where. Like, Kantari is – I mean, I have yet to see him play well. I see him make mistakes every week. I don't I don't get it. I don't. I, I mean, it's – it's for me, they, they obviously you can't have stars at every position. Uh, there's a salary cap. You're kind of limited, but – I mean, they, they've got issues there defensively, and I think that's going to be the big problem for them in the playoffs. And that's why I think Montreal, you have to look at Montreal as the favorite uh, clearly in that in that knockout game. Um, TFC has Javinko, and he can definitely make things happen. And if he scores an early goal, he can unsettle an opponent and, and, and you know, he can do, cause those kind of problems. But 
I don't know, man. TFC, the, the way they looked in that second half, they don't look to me. They don't look like a team that's mentally uh, mentally ready to take that next step. I think they 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 got the playoff spot right. They qualified, and I think it was it was such a kind of a psychological hurdle that once they cleared that, like it's like it was an just emotional uh, draining, emotionally <laughs> draining experience for them. And once you had that emotionally draining experience, you, they could not get back up. After that, and I and I just don't see them turning it around, unless Yavico has like a hat trick, you know, puts the Superman cape on. Uh, I don't think they're going to beat Montreal. Why don't players like Josie Altador step up, Ivis? Mm, well, you know what, Josie Altador is a guy who needs help <laughs> around him. I mean, they need they need Brad. They need all those guys to step up. They need Bradley to step up, and they need their defense to step up. They need their defense to put together ninety minutes. Kantari, I mean, like it was just shocking. I mean. He got burned on one. He should have got burned on another where he decided to try to dribble right in front of Drogba at the top of his own penalty area. Like, are you serious? Uh, and Drogba pinged one off the crossbar. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm Look, the thing is, man, TFC has so – they have the promise of being a better team because you look at the pieces that they have. They should be a better team. But, I mean, the weak the, – the weak – the back is – the weakness is the back line. And in the playoffs, you've got to have a good defense, and I don't think they have one. And staying in the Eastern Conference, the New England Revolution picked up a nice little bounce-back victory after they've been struggling the last couple of weeks, defeating New York City FC 3-1. to And for New York, look, they get a goal at the end of the game. It's kind of ho-hum. It ends what has been a very rocky season for them, which will go into the offseason will be extremely rocky. That being said, though, Ivis, New England Revolution, they needed a win. They got one this weekend. Yeah, man, I mean, who, who better to... Uh, bust the slump against an NYCFC, a team that is clearly checked out, a team that's clearly looking ahead to vacation, a team that's kind of wondering who's going to be the coach next year since there's obviously all these rumors about about Jason Christ. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, New England, it's the kind of win that maybe does it does it kind of instill some confidence in them. They needed it. They had they they had a four game winless streak before that. That that was starting to you know raise some questions about them uh, and the way they've been playing. Now this is a confidence builder, but now they they go against a DC team that doesn't look great either in the playoffs. So yeah, it kind of worked I, out they, for them. Things are working out for New England. Yeah. I mean, they they get the pushover at the end. Now they get a, a DC team that looks like a dead team walking. They knock them off. But I think the party's going to stop there though, because when you get the Red Bulls, uh, New England's going to have to have their A game. And I'm sure the Red Bulls are going to be thinking about last year and about New England eliminating them last year from the playoffs. So I think that's the possibility definitely for sure in the semifinals. But again, one step at a time. They get DC. That's, I think that's going, to, that's going to be an ugly. I'm going to say it now. That's going to be an ugly series. I'm not going to say it's, I'm not going to say it's going to be a, a bad series, but it's going to be an ugly one. I think there are going to be some battles there. I don't think either team's going to run away with it. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll save our picks for the next show. But. I would say, in terms of uh, entertainment value, I don't know how entertaining that. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a battle. That's all I can say about that series. Jason Christ has how many days, Ivis? Five, four? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I would say this. I, for me, I don't know how you fire a guy after one year who you uh, have put so much time and, and energy into to be your coach to help build the team, a guy with a winning track record, uh, one of the most respected coaches in the league, and you're gonna dump him after one year. But you know what? This is what happens when you have absentee owners. When you have owners that aren't based in the country and don't understand the league, 
And you could say, oh, well, but they have Claudio Reyna as a technical director. He should understand the league. Does he, though? Does he? Does playing in the league for a year and a half give you some knowledge of the league? Really? I don't know about that. I think, I think Claudio, I mean, Reyna spent most of his career in Europe. I don't know how, I, I, I would argue how, how much, you know, how much does he really know the league? And that, that I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, this is what, what I, I will say this, and I did find this interesting. And I put and I pointed it out on Twitter, right? When I first heard the talk about Jason Christ and that he could get fired, it made me. It reminded me of when the Red Bulls fired Bruce Arena after his first full season in charge, right? And at the time, it was kind of like, what is going on here? And what's interesting is that at the time, the re, you know the, the the driving force behind Bruce Arena getting pushed out was was a group of veteran players who wanted him out, who weren't happy with the way he 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 ran the team, and one of the Veteran players in that group was Claudio Arena, and it's pretty funny that here we are again. Is is he going to stand by and let that happen again, or is he the guy, the driving force behind it? I'm not going to say that because I, look, I haven't heard that. I don't think that's the case. I think that's more. It's more of a case of Manchester, of the people in Manchester saying, "Okay, we gave we gave the American a chance to run our team. Now we're gonna we're gonna go. We're gonna bring one of our guy, one one of our Man City family in there. And if they really do bring in Patrick Vieira, man, I tell you what. That's uh, the, the the name that comes to mind when I heard the Patrick Vieira rumors is Rude Hulet. Rude Hulet, the former LA Galaxy coach who was an absolute train wreck. Uh, yes, a former legendary player, Dutch legend, but he was an atrocious coach. And and Vieira's track record as a coach is a little bit better in terms of so far early in his coaching career. But I don't know, man. It's it, there's a reason there's a reason foreign coaches have not done well in MLS. And I don't know if he's going to be the guy to chase that. You know, I do wonder how this is going to set up Jason Christ for his future, though. I mean, in RSL, it's easy. Things worked out well. Goes to New York. I mean, I guess the season for them has been such a roller coaster. The whole Frank Lampard, and now the whole is he going to get fired? I just, I just wonder how you know if you you know five years from now if we look back and say you know this is when so and so let him down this path. It's just interesting, kind of how from RSL to New York in just one year. It's tough, man. It's a, it's not it's not an easy place to work, you know. And 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 that's the thing with Christ, he he decided to leave his comfort zone. And you got to give a guy credit that he you know he took that chance to come to the big city and 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 be in the bright lights and get the big money and have the big budget to work with. Uh, but along with that comes expectations. And it, what I think is crazy crazier than everything, it, how tough it was for them to find defenders. I mean, when you think about it, they the, they brought an assembly line of guys in to try to help them defensively. Anthony Iraola, who was a starter in La Liga for whatever reason, he couldn't get settled. Uh, Jefferson Mena never got settled there. Before that, they had other they had brought other players in. They just they defensively it never quite worked out for them, and uh, and that's going to ultimately be the that that's the big that along with Frank Lampard missing half the year. Those are the two big issues for me. And why I look at it and I say, why are you, are you really only give him, going to give him one year? And you know what? Much like when Bruce Arena was fired by the Red Bulls, and then a year and a half later he's taking over the Galaxy and has since turned them into a dynasty, I think Jason Christ could be that guy who things don't work out there. And he, uh, the next job he takes, and I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. Chicago? I don't know. I'm not going to say into, I'm not going to say a specific team, but I will say this. Jason Christ will be on an MLS sideline next year. And I know that's not like going out on a limb, but he absolutely will be on an MLS sideline next year, whether it's Chicago, whether it's Seattle, somewhere in MLS, he will be. <laughs> uh, uh, what? 
No, well, look, hey, look, Seattle. We'll, we'll get, no, but listen, we'll get to Seattle uh-huh. in a bit. But I think we all established coming into the year, Sig Schmidt has to win an MLS Cup. Yep. And they got to the last day of the regular season before they even qualified for the playoffs. Now they get the Galaxy in the in the knockout round game. Winner take all one shot. If LA wins that game, I tell you what, man. So I don't think Sig Schmidt's coming back. Now we'll we'll we'll, we'll get the we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're gonna talk Seattle in a minute, but. If if that plays out, who do you think is the first? For me, one of the guys I got to think, Garth Lagoway is going to call, is his old buddy Jason Christ. So. I know. It's interesting, Ivis, how things always just seem to work out for certain people. Um, before we talk about Seattle, because you know, we have to talk about this thrilling matchup, Orlando-Philadelphia game was ugly. Orlando needed four goals in this game, plus a lot of help to make the playoffs. It was a very tough stretch for them. Um, fabulous run for them, Ivis, at the end of the season. But... Ugly, ugly, ugly performance for them. I think they had like seven yellow cards, a red card. It was ridiculous. Philadelphia gets the victory. I mean, good for Philadelphia and the season on a high note. Uh, but for Orlando, man, I mean, they have a lot to take positively going into the offseason. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too down on Orlando in this one because here's the thing, right? You knew Orlando, as much as, you know, they went in for the fight, they knew it was over. They knew the season was over. They knew in Montreal one last week that that pretty much was the nail in the coffin for them. So you can't really blame them for kind of having that let down in this game. Now, I'll tell you what. If Montreal hadn't won last week and, and Orlando had a, a much more, you know, I, for me, if Orlando really had a realistic chance to get in the playoffs going into this game, it's a whole different game. Yeah. I think they, they win that game. But I think from an emotional standpoint, they knew it was over and they didn't play and they just did. They they didn't have it anymore because at that point you're kind of like, all right, we know it's over. Who cares? But the way they finished the year, five wins in a row. The the, the not only the way they played, but the way they kind of captured the re, recaptured the imagination of the fans in Orlando. I mean, I think it's great, and I think it's uh, they didn't make the playoffs, but I still think you chalk it up as a successful season for Orlando. Their successful expansion season because they pushed it to the end. They filled the seats at the stadium. They gave the crowd an entertaining game, and, and they were an entertaining team to watch. You know, they I, I think they, uh, even with the injuries and the ups and downs, I think they were a fun team to watch. It was a great atmosphere in in Orlando. So it, I think it's a, it's a bright future for them, man. Kyle Lahren, Rookie of the Year, seventeen goals. Yep. I mean, there's a there's a lot to be uh, there's a lot to feel good about, and you also have an ownership group that is not afraid to spend money. They were and they were looking. They were looking this summer to spend more money. They were looking to add another designated player. So, I think they. I think it's safe to say they're going to reinforce that roster. And for me, Orlando, when you want to talk about teams who, who could be in the playoffs next year, I think Orlando's a good bet to be in the playoffs. Of course, next year. Well, we'll have Ibrahimovic in the league next year, Ivis. Come on, Balotelli. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be interesting. All right, Ivis. We talked about the Eastern Conference enough. There is another conference. There were games that didn't matter in the Western Conference. This matchup between Sporting Kansas City and the LA Galaxy. Kansas City needed a victory here. Sport San Jose, excuse me, was knocking on the door. Sporting Kansas City able to get the victory. Tom Dwyer in the second half. Um, and look, for Kansas City, Ivis, they got to go on the road to face Portland Timbers. For LA, they got to face Seattle. I mean, look, for LA, this is an incredibly disappointing result for them. It was a tough one, man. It's a tough blow for them. Uh, now, first thing we have to talk about, obviously, is the blown call. Um, Kevin Ellis' goal should not have been a goal. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, so from that standpoint, if you're an L.A. fan and you're looking at this and you're saying, you know, should we have been able to uh, – should this have been a loss or should this at least have been a tie? I, I, I totally get that argument. 
Um, but uh, but KC, man, you know what? They stepped up at the end. They got the win. John Dwyer scores the goal. Benny Failhaber coming off the bench. Uh, making, and, and I know some people are like, oh, why didn't he start? But, hey, listen, Peter Ramirez put him on the bench. He, he, he motivated him. Guy came off the bench and killed it. He, uh, he set up the winner. Uh, KC, they're, they're, they're an interesting one, man. They're an, I, I, I don't know what's up with them. I, I don't know. When you look at KC, uh, I don't know if they have, they don't have, they don't really have momentum going in. They haven't really been in good form since, uh, since that amazing week where they won the open cup and then they beat, uh, they beat the Timbers in Portland. Yeah. On the road. I mean, Kansas City can right. take something from that at least. Right. Well, see, that's the thing. So they, they, they had that week where they won those two games and then they, and then they had a break. They had a vacation. There were guys, they were in Vegas. Uh, there, there, there were pictures of these guys in Vegas. Uh, I, Dom Dwyer had his wedding. He got married to, he had his official wedding to Sidney LaRue. So, you know, are they, I mean, they lost something. They lost some mojo or momentum, whatever it was. So coming out of that break, they hadn't been, they haven't really been the same. So, now they go up against a Portland team that is feeling it now. A Portland team that is 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 rolling right now, and and they're confident. They're scoring goals. Donaldson Nagby is 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 there. He's back, folks. Donaldson Nagby is back. But anyway, we're changing subjects. We'll get to Portland in a minute. KC though, they're still a team that for me, uh, I always have a lot of respect for, just because I think Peter Ramey is one of the best coaches, and I still think they have enough talent on that team that. And experience, above all, talent and experience that they could absolutely win a one-off in the playoffs. So I'm not going to write them off in the playoffs. I think that even as the sixth seed, uh, they could still make a run. They they absolutely could st- they could make a run. And I know some people were trying to equate this year to last year and how they how they faded last year. And is it a sign of of, of something wrong with the way Vermees runs the team? No, not at all. That's a stretch. Uh, last year, last year they were crushed by injuries. And they just didn't have depth, and they wore down. This year isn't really a case about them wearing down. I mean, they've had some injuries, but I, I just don't. I, I think consistency's been a bit of a struggle late in the year. Uh, obviously, they've, they've had a real congested schedule, but for me, I think they have a better shot this year. Like, I, I don't see a, a team that's dead on its feet this year. Last year, that's what I saw coming into the playoffs. This year is a team that you know what? If they find a way to get past Portland, anything's possible. Because I tell you what. If you're telling me FC Dallas against Sporting Kansas City in a two-leg series, I know FC Dallas has been great all year, but KC has that championship experience. And so for that reason, I think KC has a better chance than most six seeds normally would of making some noise. LA, on the other hand, one win in their last seven matches. They now get to go on the road and take on Seattle. What's going on with LA, Ivis? I mean, Uh, we know that Gerard has... Had moments, yes, we looked good, but overall, that is not worked out for them. Why are we starting? No, see, that's the thing, man. And, and and I know people are jumping all over this Gerard thing. It's not just Gerard. I know it's not. Well, you it's not it's, Gerard. It's a lot of things. Well, yeah. Well, well, you right away you start in on him. Well, you know, that's, 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 that's a part. Yeah, but why even start with him? It's not him. It's it's the whole collective. It's the fact that I think for me, I don't feel like I feel like. Now that they've added these pieces, they've added Lampard, they've added uh, uh, Gio De Santos. This team is lacking balance. This team is lacking uh, a, a good balance within the team of everybody trusting each other, having a good relationship with each other. I think now you're seeing, you know, Robbie Keane being a little too uh, reliant on Gio De Santos. I feel like other players are kind of starting to 
Like, they've been minimized in the whole thing. Juninho, I mean, Juninho was like, for me, you could argue their best player last year. And this year, he's kind of just been diminished now. He's kind of just, his role has been completely kind of, uh, you know, he's just had, his, he has like a tiny role now. Uh, Sebastian Leggett, Leggett, another guy. I mean, he was killing it when mm-hmm. he got there. And now it's, he can't really get a whiff. He can't get the ball. Because it's the Santos and Keen playing, play, you know, playing it back and forth. They might give it to Zardes every now and then. But I, I just don't – like I feel like the Galaxy, when they were at their best le- last year and the years past, they, they they knocked it around as a unit. They, they they had good balance. Their fullbacks overlapped when they needed to. They could get it to the full, fullbacks. They could work the wings. They could switch field. They could – Juninho could, could penetrate from the middle. And I just don't feel like there's a balance like that now. Now I feel it's it's like, hey, get the ball to Gio. Everybody ball watch. Hopefully Robbie Keane makes a run. Gio Robbie Keane try to make something happen, and oops, nope, the opponent stands them up, and 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 they're 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 predictable. They've become kind of predictable, and you know they still have those special moments because they're special players. But I just don't think the consistency's been there because I think they've fallen into a bit of a rut, and and I don't know how you fix that right away. I mean they play what they play Wednesday, so it's not a lot of time to figure things out. Um, but if, if I'm Bruce Arena, I'm going to Robbie Keane. I'm saying, listen, Robbie, I know you love Gio DeSantos. I know you love the way he plays. I know you, you love his passes and his touch and his vision. But you have other teammates. You have Leggett. You have Zardes. You have Juninho. Get, get this, move, this circulate the ball. Let's get the ball moving around. The, the Galaxy have become way too predictable. And they're definitely not winning another title if they're going to play like that. Well, the team, they get to play Seattle Sounders, as you said, on Wednesday Seattle's heading into the game. They have undefeated in their last eight matches. And Ivis, Seattle has an informed Clint Dempsey. He Settle gets a brace. Oh. Inform. Give me a break. <laughs> hey, Dempsey scored. That's a good thing, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's good, but I wouldn't say he's informed. I know he's not informed. I'm, one game I know. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, I'm teasing. However, right. though, for Seattle, though, I mean, look, they got lots of build off. They were always gonna win. RSL didn't even have Ramondo. Like, come on, they mailed it in. RSL, RSL was looking at a draft pick or something. I don't know what's going on. They, 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 they didn't really, uh, they didn't really come to play in this one. They, they kind of laid down and, and they, they, you know what? They did Garth Lagerway a favor. Maybe that was part of the, part of the negotiations to get Lagerway to Seattle. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but, but look, Seattle, you know, yes, they, they're unbeaten. Uh, though those guys, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes those things are a little misleading, because they, as, as much as yes, they were undefeated in, at the stretch run late in the season. But I mean, they had two wins. They had two wins out of six. So it's a you know, let, let's take it down a notch on, on just what it all means. Um, they had three straight ties before this game against an RSL team that that was completely mailing it in. Um, I don't know, man. I think Seattle. You know, I, I'll, I'll say this. Seattle is a team that I have seen more out of than I've seen LA by by a decent amount in the last month or so. So from that standpoint, I, you, you got to like Seattle's chances. Now, having said that, there's a psychological edge here. I feel because LA has managed to over and over and over and over beat Seattle in the playoffs. So at a certain point, it becomes an edge. It comes a, it comes a mental edge because. LA goes, they go to Central League Field and they feel good when they get there because they're like, you know what? I've got good memories here. I've won games here. Juninho scored that the the big goal last year for them to get through. So I don't know. If Seattle you know what? 
here's the thing. If Seattle can get, get past the leg, all of a sudden, then, then you want to talk about real momentum, the, emo, the, the, the psychological uh, low, uh, weight that's on their, uh, on their minds over, the, over L.A., if they beat them, that'll be lifted. And, and then Seattle, then you can talk about Seattle making a run. That we'll, I cannot wait for this match, man. That is going to, LA Seattle is going to be, I'm telling you, it's going to be something special. Well, for the first time in seven years, Real Salt Lake is not in the playoffs. Is this going to be one of those situations, I guess, where it could take RSL a couple years to kind of work things out and find a way to get back into the playoffs? I, man, I, I said this was going to be a rebuilding year. And w- one thing I will say, look, they did have. Uh, a lot of injuries. They did have. They need to get a lot of things, though. They have a lot they of. Do, they do. They've gotten. They've gotten. They've lost. Yeah. I mean, you can't lose. Of course. The amount of talent they've lost over the years, and 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 you know, and stay competitive. It's just. It's just impossible. Uh, I mean, you know, Will Johnson, that Borchers, uh, Spindola. Uh, they, I mean, they've lost, they've lost a lot of talent through the years, and and now. The Craig Craig Weibel, Jeff Kassar, I mean, they've got to reload uh, the cupboard there. They've got to reload the cupboard, um, and you know, as you know, they got they got a lot of talent in the academy, but that's not going to help them that's, right away. Yeah, but you know, but that's the thing. But and, and I'm with you on this one. You can't rely on 17, 18, 19 year old kids. No, can't. but you got you know what? You got to start somewhere. And if they're going to have some, as a, being what they are, being the being the you know, they're a small market team. I don't know if they're going to go spend the millions. At a certain point, maybe you need to invest some time in the younger guys. Look at FC Dallas, man. FC Dallas, FC Dallas has played a young, a super young goalkeeper. They played Kellen Acosta. They, you know, they they gave Victor Yoa his chance last year, uh, and they I feel like they're reaping the rewards of playing all those young guys. So, you know what? Maybe Arsa looks at that, takes a page from that, and they say, hey, you know what? We have a ton of talent coming up. They do. Maybe maybe they don't play right away next year. But I think maybe they start kind of molding a plan to, to 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 kind of focus more on all that young talent. Unless, of course, Delo Hansen is ready to spend some serious money. Mm. Uh, I, don't see, of, I don't see that happening. I don't, I don't see it either. So that's what I'm saying. Really, the only alternative is uh, to to get, to tap into all that talent, man. They have a ton of talent they do. In, their, in their academy pipeline. And they need to start getting those guys playing time. Get Jordan Allen in the playing time. Uh, get your boy Justin Glenn some playing time. Get, Justin, you know, Justin, he has some potential. I'll say that, Ivis. Well, it seems like, hey, you know, you know, hey, you know, you know, the, their system is as well as most. They're, they have they have a lot of players, but that's the thing. But that's what I'm saying. You know, most the guys who are killing it right now are freshmen in uh, in college right now. I mean, those are young guys. I mean, they that's why they had that USL thing. Maybe in a couple years. I don't know. We, we could talk about all this. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a while. Yeah, it's, it's not gonna be over fans. RSL fans. I hope you. I hope you have DVDs of the of the glory years because it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna be some rebuilding going on. Portland all over Colorado, defeating them four to one. Ivis, we kind of knew this was gonna happen. Uh, look, Colorado, really nothing to play for. Portland, man, they get rewarded. They got a home game against Sporting Kansas City. I mean, how dangerous can Portland be in the playoffs here? Uh, well, hey, if Donaldson Nagby is gonna be, uh, you know, informed Donaldson Nagby. Then hey, anything's possible because he 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 is an X factor that I mean just just puts them on a different level. Uh, obviously, Fernando Adi if Fernando Adi is going to score goals, that's huge, right? Obviously, uh, you get Valeri roll, you know, clicking. That's that's great. But Nagby is such a unique player. He's such a disruptor. 
just causes so many problems for defenses that he's a guy who, if he's on, man, it's going to be such a problem. Especially like you know, they play Kansas City. Uh, they they could cause some real problems for them. They they could absolutely cause some real problems for them. So for me, I think Portland is really bought in. I mean, they, let's not let's not forget now. It was only it was only a few weeks ago that things were looking pretty down for them. Uh, I remember the actually I, the, the loss that stands out to me the loss to the Red Bulls. Um, actually no, their loss to Sporting Kansas City after the Open Cup. When you kind of thought, okay, Kansas City is going to be hungover after winning the Open Cup. They, they, they're going to have to fly. They, they, they just played in Philly. They went all the way to PKs in Philly. They're going to go to Portland. They're going to be dead. Portland's going to take care of them. No, Portland lost to them. That game was kind of that turning point because at that point, they're not – I think I don't even think they were in the playoffs at that point. Nope. So they're not in the playoffs at that point. And the the, the schedule, you know, they, had a, they were going to L.A. in two weeks. So things were looking a little tricky. And what do they do? They go to RSL and win. They go to L.A. and win. They come back to come back from Colorado and win, and now their attack is clicking. Their defense is, is feeling good, and I feel like they're coming in with a lot more confidence than Kansas City. Um, but what Kansas City has is that tough championship toughness, that championship experience. So that that for me that is a coin flip, man. Even though it's in Portland, but let's not forget now Portland at home hasn't been amazing. I mean they've been okay. But, I mean, they only had one more home win than road win this year. I mean, that tells you, you know, A, how great they've been on the road, but B, they, they've given up some games at home. That, um, so, I'm talk about some great playoff matchups mm-hmm. in this first round. Unbelievable. And the final game of the weekend, okay, you, we've talked about some wins that have been very huge for teams. For the Vancouver Whitecaps, this victory over Houston, this is a huge victory for them. Keeps them out of the knockout round. It's the first victory in their last five matches. And this was a huge result. And it's crazy to think that because I mean, Houston had no desire to play in this game. They weren't going to make the playoffs already out. Vancouver, 3-1. to one. I mean, the, the, you, you could just see in the players just how much this victory meant for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't throw the word. I'm not, we, can't, we can't call them all huge, Garrett. They're not all huge. This was a good win for them. A good win. This was a good win for Vancouver. They're supposed to win. You're supposed to beat a team that's dead in the water at home when you have the best home, one of the best home records in the league and you're at home. If you don't win that game, there's something really wrong with you. You're supposed to win that game. Um, so for me, you know what? I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's great. Yeah, they, they get the bye. But I don't know, man. I'm not sold on Vancouver, man. I, when, you look at, when, when you look at them, I don't know. If you're asking me who do I – of the other teams that are left in the playoffs in the West, who would I pick them to beat? I don't know who I'm picking them to beat because, you know, obviously if if things go chalk, if, if, if it's the top four seeds in the semis, they'll get Portland. And I'll say Portland in two-leg series, the way things are going right now. Uh, if, if uh, let's see, how, how else could it pan out for them? I mean, if, if, even if Portland, even if Portland, if Portland loses to KC, and you're Vancouver, and Vancouver gets to Seattle or L.A., absolutely I'm taking Seattle or L.A., the winner of that game over Vancouver. So Vancouver still has a lot to prove. And I think they're a young team. I think they got exposed a bit down the stretch. They're, they're still talented. No, get me wrong. They're still talented. But it's one thing to, to beat a dead-in-the-water Houston team, It's an, and it's another to beat some of these you know really dangerous teams uh, that they got to deal with in, in the Western Conference. And, I mean – the last win they had that was really against the top team, they beat FC Dallas 1-0 in August. That was a good one for them. 
But uh, you know, I don't know, man. I, I haven't, I haven't. I don't know. I just haven't seen enough from them in the last month or so. And the playoffs start this Wednesday. You have Seattle at home against L.A., D.C. at home against New England Revolution on Thursday. Then you have Portland at home against Sporting Kansas City. And then Montreal at home against Toronto FC. Ivis and I are not going to make our picks right now because, Ivis, we are going to do another show, back-to-back days with shows. Can you believe it? I know. I know. It's crazy. Uh, now, we'll, we're, we're going to do another show. Uh, we'll drop it on uh, probably Tuesday night or Wednesday. Uh, probably Tuesday. Um, and we'll just have a prediction show. We'll break down the playoffs a little more. Um, but, uh, it, it, this, these playoffs, man, I, I got I, I can't say, and obviously this is the first year that, that it's the expanded format. And now you have four knockout round games, but these matchups, man, holy crap, cow, these matchups are, are, are something else. And, uh, Every single one of them has some brings something to the table. I mean, I know you could argue DC New Orleans is probably going to be the ugliest one, but it could be still be an intense battle that that that, that could go either way. But I mean, Montreal Toronto. I mean, the scene in Montreal is going to be incredible. Seattle LA. I mean, I, I tell you what, man. I wish I wish I could hop a flight to L, uh, to Seattle for that one. Uh, I will be home. Uh, it's actually my 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 anniversary is coming up, so I won't be going anywhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. There's so many. These, all these games are going to be fun, man. Okay, no more playoff talk. Plenty of other things to talk about. If you're from Minnesota, you're going to be celebrating right now, especially if you're a Minnesota United fan. Some positive news came out. That a stadium deal has been accomplished between the team and the city for a $120 million stadium that they will build. So, look, Minnesota United, stadium in place. Positive vibes all around. Huge, man. Huge. And uh, things are looking great. Uh, Minnesota, the question I think at this point is, will it be 2017 or 2018? Um, I'm sure the folks in Atlanta would, would, would rather come in alone in 2017. Uh, but it's just, it's great, man. It's great to see a, a really underrated market. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if people, I don't know if everybody realizes or everybody listening understands what a good market Minnesota is for soccer. And it, 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 obviously, they, they've had uh, their teams there in the past, NESL, and uh, even currently, obviously, they have they have they have a team there now uh, that that does well. And I can tell you from you know experience with SBI that in, in Minneapolis has always been one of the top cities uh, of non-MLS cities. They've always been one of the top cities. So there there is a hunger there for for soccer, and and I think now we're going to get a chance to see that. And I think it's great just to have another. Uh, team in that part of the country uh it's i'm not gonna want to go there in december or november but uh i'm looking forward to going i haven't been there i've never been to minneapolis uh i've never been to minnesota so looking forward to my first trip out there and on some other stadium news david beckham down in miami has turned to an unlikely partner he and the Miami-Dade County School Board may be partnering up so David Beckham could build his stadium, and then the school board could pretty much negotiate anything they want out of the stadium. I, I gotta say, Ivis, this a school board. I mean, this is this is interesting. I don't even want to hear about Beckham and his stadium anymore until there's shovels in the ground and some beams going up, some steel. I mean, we've, we've come on a school some... board though. You gotta say that's I, whatever, man. I don't I. I I'm over the politics in Miami, man. Let's see, let's see some shovels go down. Let's see some some concrete getting poured. Uh, it's been too long, man. It's been too way through too many hoops. Um, I mean, at this point, it's fair to say 
It's not. They're not going to come in 2017. I think. I think we've established that. I think at this point, the way it's looking, it, best case scenario for MLS would be Atlanta and Minnesota in 2017, LA and Miami in 2018. And if if 2018 is if you're looking at 2018 as your target, then hey, they've got some time to 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 you know hammer things out. But you you want to start construction in 2016 and make sure you have your stadium ready to go day one. So. uh it seems promising, but I don't know, man. There's been so many false starts in Miami. I, I don't even, I don't even, lo- I don't even bat an eye anymore when I see these things. I mean, it's great for, it's great for traffic when we can throw a David picture, a David Beckham picture up on SBI or Gold.com or any of those. But you know what? At the end of the day, like until we see some, some earth-moving vehicles in the Miami area, I, I, I don't know how 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 crazy you should get about any of this stuff. And on the international soccer front. Ivis, the Copa America is finally happening. It has been announced. It's official. We can all rejoice and watch the U.S. lose in the group stage. But regardless, though, Ivis, it is happening. Game on. It's it's big. It's not only official. It's official. That's how you know it's big. But uh, it's yeah, big, yeah, it's Facebook official. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, I don't know, man. I it you knew it was gonna happen. You knew, right? I mean, was there? I don't know. I was kind of worried. Well, you know, when the U.S. lost to the in the Concacaf Cup, you knew, because then it's like, oh crap, we need a tournament to play. We need another <laughs> tournament to play in. Okay, where do we sign? Let's get this game going. Um, it's great, man. It's great, and it, I gotta say, it was very, it was very worrisome when you saw the arrests, the FIFA, uh, the you know, the FIFA crackdown, and and all the corruption got that got uncovered. At that point, you're looking at it like, uh oh. This isn't this isn't going to happen. There's so many millions and millions of dollars that have been tied up now because you know that, that were seized that had ties to the this tournament that it was going to be DOA. But you know what? Money talks, and I think enough businesses, enough companies in America, especially on the especially when you want to talk about TV, too many companies wanted this to happen. Too many companies saw the, the possibility to make money. And, hey, obviously the folks in South America saw an opportunity to make huge money. They saw how their teams did here coming here for friendlies, Argentina, Brazil. Uh, you know, they came here for friendlies, Colombia. Uh, they sold out stadiums. And just to get a sample of that, I think that that I think that whet the appetite for everybody to realize, listen, we are going to give away a pile of money if we don't have this tournament. And – Thank goodness it's happening because I tell you what, man, it's going to be amazing mm-hmm. to have South American teams in a in an official competition have to have Messi, Neymar, Suarez, Aguero, uh, you know, Arturo Vidal, the Chile, the Copa America champions, Peru, you know, obviously Peru, you know, my my, my people. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And and I know, and, and I will, I will say this. I know U.S. fans are kind of like, oh no. We're going to get embarrassed. This is going to be disappointing. But, hey, man, you know what? There's always an opportunity for redemption. There's always a chance to turn things around. And Jurgen Klinsmann has a year. Or the U- I should say the U.S. national team. There's a, there's, you know, there's, a, there's a year between now and then or 10 months between now and then. Plenty of time to get some new faces in there. Plenty of time to, to, to you know, work out some kinks. And who knows? Maybe by next summer the U.S. will be in shape in a position to actually put forth a good effort. 
Well, speaking of Jurgen Klinsmann, there are reports coming out that there is a power struggle right now going on with Jurgen Klinsmann as his job as the technical director and the head coach of U.S. soccer. Look, with the U-17s now losing at the World Cup, I mean, dude, that 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 power struggle that was there, dude, it is now on full max right now. And what what is going on with U.S. soccer? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think, you know what, when it comes down to it, there's got to be a little buyer's remorse with the amount of power that they gave Klinsmann. I mean, it's one thing to make him the, the the head coach of the national team, but then to also make him technical director. I mean, uh, it's it, it's it's interesting, man. Every, the way everything is going, I will say this though, right? When it comes to youth, when it comes to U seventeen national team, I I just think it's way too easy to kind of let the hysteria build from the Concacaf Cup uh, disappointment to the Olympic qualifying disappointment, and to kind of have a tidal wave effect. And have people overreact a little because look, U17s are they're kids, right? And ki- you know they're they're going to be the disappointments. I mean, look at some of these other world powers that 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 have had their teams be disappointed. Argentina, Argentina is a perennial power in the youth levels, and and they had a disappointing U17 tournament. Now that now having said that, I know we weren't going to get into this until now, but since we brought since you brought up the U17s, they were they were a team that a lot of people had high hopes for. I had a lot of high hopes for. We heard a lot about a lot of the players on this team, you know, Christian Pulisic, uh, Joshua Perez, uh, Joe Gallardo, Danny Barbier, uh, Luca De La Torre. Like, there was so much talent on this team, and we heard about Tyler Adams, um, that we saw, hey, could this be the special, this could mm-hmm. this be a special generation? And there was a lot brought, there was a lot put into that. And I, the thing is for me, man, I've seen so many U17 cycles now, right? And we, we we keep falling into the same trap of hyping these kids up. Of course. Raising the expectations. And I feel like it's gone. It's gone uh, the, I mean, the first year that, that comes to mind for me was the Freddie Adu cycle. When you had Freddie Adu, Danny Zatella, Eddie Gavin, uh, John Spector, uh, Memo Gonzalez. There's a name for people who, who go way back. And, and that team actually did well at the U-17 World Cup. They, 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 they impressed. They showed flash. Freddie Adu was excellent. Um, but from since then, I don't, I can't recall a, a U17 team, a US U17 team that actually lived up to expectations. I can't, I can't recall one. So, I mean, and, something. And, does, well, and that's the thing. Not, not all of these kids who are being, who who are called up to the national team at a youth age, none of them are, are bona fide, you know, US national starters. are going to be pros for 10, 15 years. It's too early. It's too early, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it and it goes for all t- teams. I mean, here's an interesting one for you, and that I thought was interesting. When you look at the U17, uh, the Mexican team that won the U17 World Cup in 2005, right? It's not like that team was loaded with guys who are now in the national team set up for Mexico. I mean, it's a tricky age group, and that's not and then that's not to let U.S. soccer off the hook, because I will I will say that look, as much money as they invest in that age group. You have the Bradenton Academy, and you've had it for all these years. You you would think that, you know, they'd be able to produce more more successful results in competition and major competitions. But I think if anything, maybe it raises questions about about the necessity of Bradenton Academy. Because honestly, I think you should, have, as is with all major countries, the onus on developing young talent is supposed to be on the clubs. It's supposed to be on the clubs, not on you on the federation. And I think that's where maybe now that we're seeing like Philadelphia with their uh, residency academy, their residency high school, uh, and, and now you're starting to see more teams invest more money in their youth setups that hopefully, uh, you know what, Bradenton 
won't be needed anymore. Because I tell you what, I don't I don't know if it's really proven to be worth it. It really hasn't. Okay, look, I, I'm semi with you on the Bradenton Academy. I, but however, though, I mean, look, when you look at the list of players they've produced over the years, it does produce some players who are have who have been contributing to the U.S. at the you know senior men's. It's been a while level. though. It's however, been a while, but though. but this raises the question though with U.S. soccer. Number one, this country's too big just to have one academy. Um, in Florida. The other thing is, at this age group, there's not enough coaches out there scouting these players. I, I mean, I know this is kind of going off the beam path, but I saw a U15 girls national team roster that came out the other day that had seven players from Colorado. You're telling me seven of the best 15-year-olds are from Colorado? There is no way that's possible. California or Texas or Florida has those players. So this is a problem with U.S. soccer, Ivis, that the scouting system in this country is not good enough. This country is too big. And if U.S. soccer really wanted to do something seriously, they should have three academy locations. One in L.A., one in, you could say, Kansas City, and one in Florida. That is the only way it will get things done at the federation level. I agree that the clubs have to step up, but the federation can step up too. I mean, you're not going to have an academy the in scouting. L.A. You're not going to get an academy in L.A. You're not going to. That's gonna my happen. soapbox. You have the Galaxy there. You have LAFC there coming coming in a couple of years. You're not going to get an academy there. What I will say is what I what I what I would point to is finding interesting is that. Uh, Obviously, not all players, not all the top players stay in, in Bradenton. A lot of them that, that now you're getting more that are that are playing in Europe or, or, or in uh, European academies. Obviously, Pulisic is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have others who move on to, to, to play with, with with pro teams. You have Tyler Adams with the with the red with the Red Bull setup. And, and there always seems to be some question about our players being our pun- players suffering because they are not with these teams, because obviously the U-17 Team has a residency setup, and you know if if their coach, if Richie Williams, if he's used to having his group of guys that he trains with, plays with on a regular basis, he's going to have an affinity to the guys that he's with on a regular basis, and maybe those guys who are at, in Europe, whether it's Luca De La Torre, Joshua Perez, Christian Pulisic, Danny Barbier, uh, maybe maybe these guys are you know suffering a bit because they aren't part of this academy setup because they're not in in that regular routine. And so from that standpoint, that's why I wonder, I'm like, do you, maybe, maybe this is just kind of outlived its usefulness. Uh, and maybe it's time for, for, for the MLS teams, not just MLS teams, but well, and that's, I'm not, I'm going, I was about to take a detour to a can of worms that I don't want to open up, but it's time for club teams in this country to work on the developing of talent. And I think when you look at the cosmos now with the signing of Haji Wright and, and, and Valella, a couple of the U 17 players, I think hopefully now you'll start to see more teams uh, take on that that burden that the, that the Bradenton Academy took on for so long. And you mentioned yes, there's been players that have come through Bradenton, but a lot of the top names that come on that list are guys from the very beginning. I mean, we all love to hear yeah, about, of course, you know, Dylan and Donovan, Demarcus Beasley, uh, Beckerman. Uh, I think Tim Howard was down there for a bit. So you know. Yeah, but let's talk more recently. It's been a little the wells run dry a bit on that. I'm trying to think recently, uh, Aaron Johansson. It's pretty recent. He was not in Bradenton. He was at IMG. The student not to say does not. Say That's true. It's a very good point. He was there very briefly. That's true. At IMG. I'm trying to think. I can't think of anything else on top of my head. It just hasn't been much. There hasn't been much come through that has come through there lately of high end guys. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it's the scouting in this country. Scout, the scouting is just not good enough. Well, it's not just no. You know why? Because now there's competition on the scouting side. Because now you're getting European scouts coming over, 
and snatching up guys, snatching up younger Well, good. Players. That's a good thing because I'm I've, not seen, going, yeah. I've seen way too many youth players called up that are just not good enough to even be called up, and somehow they get called up. Time to get rid of Bradenton. All right, Evans. Time to talk about the U.S. men's national team, the senior team. Some bad news. Jeff Cameron is hurt. Is this looking something to be serious, Ivis? I don't know, man. I wasn't in the training room. I have no idea. Come but on, dude. Come you know everything. He came out in the first 10 minutes. Uh, it's obviously a tough break. I mean, they. It, it's like just when things are going so well for him in terms of he's a fixture at Stoke City, uh, finally starting on a regular basis at center back, playing well. And I've said it forever. For anybody who listens to the show – on a regular basis, they know I've always said it. Jeff Cameron's a guy who needs to play center back regularly. And once he plays center back regularly, he can take his game to a level where he is an excellent center back. But he can't be a guy that that, that hops at, hops positions, play D mid, then center back, then right back. If he's going to be really – if he's going to excel at center back, he needs to play regularly. And now he finally was playing regularly. He's finally playing regularly for Stoke City for the U.S., now he gets hurt, and hopefully it's not serious. Because look, the the qualifiers are around the corner. The 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 you know the U.S. qualifiers are three weeks away. So you know what? Hopefully it's not that serious because they they could definitely use them. And you know you don't want to think about the alternatives. Well, we're playing cupcake teams, Ivis. Those are hey, automatic wins. Hey, Come on, Trinidad on the road is not a cupcake. Let's not forget now. Trinidad has scored like seven or eight goals in their last two games against Mexico. Okay, so they've got some attacking weapons on that team. And then playing them in Trinidad, anytime you anytime you go on the road in Concacaf, it's a journey, it's a it's a challenge. And then when you get to to the slightly better teams, it's even tougher. So yes, should they beat St. Vincent and the Grenadines in St. Louis? Absolutely. Is it is it going to be a cakewalk in Trinidad? Definitely not. DeAndre Yedlin and Sunderland picked up a victory this weekend, defeating Newcastle three to zero for Sunderland. They'll take any points, and for Yedlin. He looked good, even though he did not get a goal, did not get an assist. If you watch him, Ivis, his passes look crisp. He looked lively. He looked good. He's settling in, man. And it's funny, so many people were crapping on that move. And I think people lost sight of the fact that, or obviously I think people were were still remembering the Josie Altador uh, failed move to Sunderland. I think it was a perfect opportunity for him because it was was a good place for him to potentially get playing time and still stay in in the Premier League. Now, obviously, at the time of, of the move, I, w- I, I said, me personally, I would like to have seen him go to, the Air Div- to go to the Dutch League. But you know what? Him, you know, he, he's there now. What's interesting is that Sunderland obviously had a managerial change. Sam Allardyce actually wanted DeAndre Yedlin when he was, uh, when he, I believe when he was coaching at West Ham, he wanted Yedlin. So he was, very, he was completely familiar with Yedlin. So, uh, you know, I think it's finally one of those cases where, an American cl- American player actually benefits from a coaching change. So often you get you get you get players who there's a coaching change and 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 it just kills them. Like it just ends up you know they get stuck on the bench. Uh, in this case, he's gotten he's gotten some starts. He's done well with them, and uh, it's working out great for him. It's working out great because he's getting that experience, and that's what he needs. And that's I, I find it funny when people want to get on him about for not being a complete player, a complete defender. He's not a complete defender. He's definitely not. He has a lot to learn about the position, but you learn from games, and he's getting games at the high level, at the high, at, you know, in one of the top leagues in, in the world. And you know what? It's only going to help him grow. Tim Howard Ivis had an incredibly rough day against Arsenal. 
who defeated Everton two to one. And I know we've talked about this um, about how you know Tim Howard is better informed keeper over Brad Guzan, but Tim Howard, I was, over the last couple of weeks, I mean he he is really not in good form right now. He's had a couple of tough plays. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, obviously, against Arsenal, he could have done better uh, on the goal on both goals. Um, although I feel like he's gotten roasted uh, for these plays on two plays where hey, it was excellent service. There were two for me. I thought there were two great, great balls in. Uh, it could position from a positioning standpoint from from his line, keeping his keeping the space clear in front of him, talking to his defense. Yes, you could definitely point to those things. Um, and you can definitely say that, you know, since the World Cup to now, uh, his form has not been what it was prior to the World Cup. Um, and there's always the questions of, has his age catching up to him? Is it Has he been unlucky? I mean, he's obviously still had moments where he's been excellent. I think he's had games where he's been excellent this year. Um, but no, I mean, I, 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 I think I think most people would agree. He had a rough one. He had a rough one against Arsenal and and. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say, okay, he's washed up. We get rid of him. I, I think you've got Everton, you've got some Everton fans and some media who are already on that wagon. That hey, it's time to dump Tim Howard. I think that's a little premature, but I think he's. I think his form has dropped. But I think I think he's a victim of his own success in the sense that he was such a consistent player for so long for them. We're talking a, almost a decade mm-hmm. of of consistently strong performances. Very few mistakes. Now that he is starting to make more mistakes, I think it's more pronounced. I think it's more, it's magnified more because people have just gotten spoiled. Uh, Everton fans have gotten used to him just not making many. And now he's starting to make a couple and it's not looking good. Do I think they should make a change? I don't, I don't know about making a change now, but I think if he doesn't show significant improvement, I think it's fair to say this summer, they're probably going to consider making a change and maybe it's time for him to come, come back home, come to MLS. Uh, I think he, yeah. What are the, what are the percentages of now of him playing MLS next year? Uh, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm gonna lay it out. I'm, this is my prediction. My prediction is he will stay in England one more year after this, and I think he'll come to M. I think he'll uh, uh, I think he'll come to MLS in 2017. Uh, I you know I don't know where he'll go. I mean I think he could you know I, and who knows will be the key, what the keeper situation will be in. In New York or in Philly, yeah, he'll be playing for New York City FC. Come on, I don't know, man. I think you know. I, I know he's got. Fa- I know his family lives in the South. So hey, Atlanta's starting a team in 2017. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't rule them out as a possibility. So you know, we'll see. But for me, hopefully, he gets it together. Hopefully, he starts kind of improving uh, or, or getting tightening up when it comes to the crosses. And his work in the air, I think, has definitely been lacking. No doubt about it. So Ivis and I will have another show where we will preview all the MLS playoff matchups. I, I want to apologize that we didn't have a show last week. Ivis gave birth to a new website, so he was exhausted, hence why we didn't have a show. But Ivis, the new website looks pretty good, man. Thank you. It's it's not a new website. It's just uh, we a relaunch of SBI for those who missed it or haven't seen it. Uh, we have uh, we've moved our, our platform over. We've moved over to the USA Today Sports Network. Uh, we're on their platform now, and 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 along with that move came a redesign. And uh, I, I I can't I gotta say, man, this is, is it was a ten month process. It really it was like it was like giving birth, man. It, it, it was a it was a it was a, a long process, but it, it was well worth it. I I, I love this. I lo- I personally I love it. I love the look. 
Uh, I love the way it works. Uh, so far, so good in terms of what the readers say. Readers seem to like it. Uh, you know, obviously, we're going to keep working out the, 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 you know, working out the kinks as we go along. But uh, I think it's great. I think it's an upgrade, and hopefully, uh, it'll it'll take us to a new level uh, as we settle in in on the new platform. So I'm pretty excited. It looks good, man. I think it looks much better. It's yeah, like, no, see, pictures look good. Right, it just looks yeah. cleaner. I mean, I like that. I like the old design. I mean, obviously, like the, the the design that we had before that. I mean, that was my design. I mean, I I I chose that design. I think the the main issue for the site uh, was just uh, um, just in terms of the way it ran. It was very slow. Uh, it was bogged down by a lot of stuff. And and now it should be sleeker, faster. The mobile version is much better. Uh, so it's just a, hopefully a better all around experience. And and now that we've got that squared away we're, we're going to work on uh revamping the staff because we're, we're definitely down in numbers we, we haven't we haven't been recruiting uh as much lately and we've kind of we've lost we've lost some guys uh, we've lost some people uh in the past few months uh to different things so it's time to replenish the ranks so you know if you're listening to this show and you are an aspiring soccer writer and you're looking for somewhere to write and you have some experience Feel free to reach out. Let us know. Email you can uh, you can email me. You can tweet at me, and uh, let me know if you're interested. And I mean serious inquiries only. I don't want to hear. Hey, I love soccer. I'm a soccer fan. I've never written before. No, it's all well and good. We're looking for people who want to write and who are serious about writing. Uh, and then we'll take it from there. So we'll see what happens. My advice: just email Ivis every day till he emails you back and tells you to shut <laughs> up. No, no, anybody every day, but yeah, that persistence, persistence pays off. I get a lot of emails, um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll find the, we'll find those next, that next generation of, of stars that, uh, that'll take us to that next level. I'm one of them. Yeah, man. You're, you're, you're an alumnus of the SBI Academy. <laughs> uh, I might be the worst one to sign a pro contract. I'm that kid who somehow got through Ivis. <laughs> Um, by the way, I meant to ask you, did you watch Walking Dead yet? I have not. Don't Ooh, spoil it. I'm not I tell you what, last week was amazing. Last week was 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 crazy. That uh, and I'm I'm probably gonna. It's 4 a.m. right now, but I'm probably gonna stay up. Well, I have to stay up because I have to finish my my MLS column for Gold.com. Uh, but uh, after that, and it's gonna be like 7 a.m. and I'll probably watch Walking Dead, and then I'll go to sleep. Nice. So, but hey, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a hell of a weekend, man. Between launching the new site. Uh, MLS Decision Day. Oh, by the way, NASL. We don't give NASL enough love, but NASL had some exciting action on Saturday. You had the Tampa Bay Rowdies winning. Uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers lost. So now the Rowdies with Freddie Adu uh, have moved back into playoff position heading into the final week of the season in MLS, in NASL. And the Rowdies are heading to New York. It's going to be Freddie Adu and the Rowdies against the Cosmos. If the Rowdies win, they're in the playoffs. So it's you know what? NASL, folks, give it a shot. It, they show all their games on ESPN3. Pretty good games, man. There's a lot. And if you're an MLS fan, you're going to see a lot of familiar faces in the NASL in, in, in these games. Uh, it's pretty impressive how, how many uh, former NASL guys and, and former MLS guys and some young guys. One name that one player that impressed me that it was great to see him doing his thing is uh, Dylan Mayers, uh, the former. Uh, Louisville uh, player, Indiana slash Louisville uh, midfielder. He's a, he's a guy who I thought was excellent in college. And, yeah, he lost his way a bit, but he's resurfaced. He's at Indy 11 now 
and he's been killing it for them. He's a guy. Keep an eye out. Remember the name, Dylan Mayers, because he could be an MLS down the road. He could be, you know what, he, bigger and better. The kid's got a lot of skill. Oh, okay. One league that we actually don't give any love to, we should also mention this, that uh, the Rochester Rhinos defeated LA Galaxy 2 in the USL championship match. So there's, US, the there's our USL coverage for the year. <laughs> I know, I know. Next year we'll step it up. We'll step. It up. As, now that now that well, the thing is they're gonna have like fifty teams in the USL. So, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll try to we'll try on well SBI anyway. We'll try to uh, pump up the USL coverage in twenty sixteen. Yes. Tomorrow I'll be I'll just be your Arizona United correspondent, Ivis. <laughs> <laughs> just rip them weekly in columns. Uh, all right. <laughs> Talk about their dysfunctional ownership. Yes. <laughs> you said it. I didn't say anything. Um, said yes. Ivis, anything else you need to talk about before? You know? That's it, man. Well, hey, it was a great weekend, man. Not, so, yeah, I launched the site. Uh, we had Decision Day, which was amazing. Uh, it was very entertaining. And I cleaned up in fantasy. I won both my leagues, fantasy soccer, fantasy MLS, and the fantasy pickums. It's just, you know what? We're going to have all kinds of championship celebrations over here. <laughs> Yeah, household. <laughs> don't don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back. Hey, hey, listen. I, I just want to point out. I I won our SBI alumni league, and uh, I defeated Mike Donovan, uh, our former Portland writer, who now actually works for the Portland Timbers. And the funniest thing about it is, so he beat me like er, he beat me every time we played this year, even though I had the most points in the league. So we finally played this last championship game today, and I beat him courtesy of Darlington Nagby's two goals. So. I beat the Portland guy with the Portland guy, so I thought that was pretty fun. So that's for you, the that's for you, Mike Donovan. Nice. <laughs> Give a shout shout out to my boy, Mike Donovan. Stat stat master, Mike Donovan. Yeah, I know he's 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 one of those people where you can like throw him anything and he'll find a stat. Yeah, for man, you. he'll dig it. He'll dig it up, man. He'll dig it up. Yeah. Like Caleb Porter, uh, MLS coach with the fewest losses after a hundred games. Yeah, uh, yeah. Random stuff like a, that. That's a good stat. All right. Anything else, Ivis? I think that's it, man. I think. Uh, well, wait. We, we have to save something for the exactly. show, on, for the midweek show, because we're gonna have to have a little more than just predictions, because that's, we're, you know, we're gonna have our 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 in depth preview. So there you go. All right, Ivis. Well, with that, I'll let you go. You have a good uh, good twenty four hours. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll talk to you in uh, eight hours. <laughs> and and as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. One more thing: if you listen, we have not gotten an iTunes review in a while. Please give us one. Just enter SBI show into the search. Give us a review, <clears throat> five stars, and uh, and we'll thank you for it. Yeah. It, by, by the way, yeah, yes. Get, please give us a review. Uh, and just a, just a little word of note. Now, if you don't already subscribe to the show somewhere you might want to consider doing it sometimes we don't get the show up on the website uh, and i'll take the blame for that because obviously when i'm putting when i'm pulling these all-nighters and we don't get the show on the site before i finally pass out then sometimes the show doesn't go up until late afternoon the next day if you really want the show as soon as possible as early as possible you're going to want to subscribe to itunes or you're going to subscribe to soundcloud uh so just keep that in mind uh, the, uh, the 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 there's the app there's the podcast app if you're if you have an iPhone uh, you want to do that and also quick reminder I don't know if you're aware or not but uh, for SBI if you're if you're checking out SBI on your phone as I mentioned earlier our new mobile site is is great it's it's top notch and you know and in case you didn't already know you can make SBI like an app 
on your phone. Uh, I don't know if, you, if people are aware uh, how to how to how to make like any pretty much any web page into an app. Um, uh, if you don't know how to do that, look it up and then put SBI on your main page on your phone, and we'll keep you informed on everything you need to know. Yes, I agree with everything I just said. I'll, I'll let you go, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. That is Ivis Galarsa. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBS Show.